Our reading today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 to 7, and that can be found on page 995 of the Church Bibles. Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Well, let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at that passage together. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we come to it now, that your spirit would be at work in our midst, that you would be uh, refreshing us and uh, teaching us um, exactly what it is that we have to hear today. We commit this time to you now, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've lived in Leith, for any length of time, then you'll know that the motto of our community is just one word, persevere. Uh, where it comes from, how long it has been the motto of Leith, that seems to have been lost to the mists of time. But one thing's for sure, it's a motto that Leithers are very proud of, and one that you will see uh, plastered all over Leith. You'll see it on buildings, on lampposts. Uh, in fact, if you go across the road to the corner of Albert Street, you'll see it on the pavement there. Uh, and certainly, the, the people of Leith have had to persevere over the last couple of years. We've persevered through a pandemic. We're having to persevere through an energy crisis. We've uh, had to persevere through the tramworks. Um, and perhaps the ultimate demonstration of perseverance is persevering through the local football team Hibs as they try and succeed. Uh, and it's apt that persevere is the motto of our community because perseverance is the theme that runs throughout Paul's second letter to Timothy. Over the last few weeks, we've seen Paul urge Timothy to recognize that faithfulness to Jesus and his message, it will lead to suffering. But the faithful Christian will endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. And we've seen how Paul was writing from that very place of suffering. He was suffering for his faithfulness to Jesus. He was enduring the shame of the squalor uh, of a Roman dungeon. And he was staring death in the face as he was awaiting his execution. And we saw last week how Paul's situation had led to some in the church turning away from him. In the passage that we were looking at last week, we saw Paul remind Timothy of two prominent Christian leaders, Phygelus and Hermogenes, who decided that the, the shame of associating with Paul, it just wasn't worth it. And so they deserted him in his hour of need. But to be ashamed of Paul was to be ashamed of the message that he proclaimed. To turn their back on Paul was akin to turning their back on Jesus. And uh, the response of Phygelus and Hermogenes, it was in total contrast 
to the response of Onesiphorus, who was willing to risk shame and disgrace to seek out Paul and refresh him. And we saw how Paul shared these two responses with Timothy as a way of saying, which way are you going to go, Timothy? Are you going to be like Phygelus and Hermogenes uh, and avoid the shame of the gospel for temporary approval from the culture? Or are you going to go the way of Onesiphorus? Are you going to identify with me and the gospel message even when that leads to suffering? And it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. When it comes to a response to the gospel, who are we going to identify with? Now, hopefully the answer to that question will be that we want to be like Onesiphorus. We want to live lives that are unashamed of the gospel. And certainly that's what Paul was calling Timothy to. But in order to live lives like that, lives that are unashamed, Timothy and we need to persevere. But when it comes to living as God's people, what does perseverance actually look like? Well, I want to highlight three aspects of Christian perseverance that we see in the passage that was just read. And we see the first of those at the beginning of our passage. If you look with me at verse 1, Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. So first of all, for God's people, for the, the church to persevere, we need to rely on the strength that God gives us. And this is a, a repetition of the theme that we have already seen in this letter. Perhaps the key verse of the letter is found in verse 8 of chapter 1, where Paul calls Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I read some quotes this week from some former Leith Academy pupils who remember being reminded of Leith's motto to persevere and being told regularly in school assemblies to try, try, and try again. And that's often how we think of perseverance, isn't it? That it's on me to keep going, to keep trying, to not give up that it's something that comes from within. But perseverance in the Christian life, it's not something that we muster up from within ourselves. It's something that is enabled and empowered, Paul says, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's where Timothy needed to look. By the time he received this second letter from Paul. Timothy was a gifted, seasoned leader. Uh, he had a track record of faithfulness, but with opposition coming from both outside and inside the church, he was tempted to give up. And the only way that he was going to survive was by not relying on his gifts or his experience, but by resting in God's empowering grace. We don't live the Christian life in our own strength. We can't. If we try, sooner or later, we will end up giving up or burning out. The consistent message of this letter is that we need to draw on the resources that God's Holy Spirit gives us. We need to look to Him for strength. Now, if we really believe that, if we take that to heart, well, that will be seen by the way that we live. 
For one, it will be seen in our prayer lives. If God is the one who gives us strength to persevere, then we will look to him for that strength. We'll bring our struggles, our fears, our decisions before him in prayer. And it will be seen in our hunger for God's word, both as we study it personally and as we sit under it Sunday by Sunday as we gather here together. If we think that we can just manage fine by ourselves, well then Bible study and, and gathering together like this, it, it won't be seen as a priority. Bible study and, and prayer, they, they don't earn us brownie points with God. They don't make us any more acceptable to God. But our habits in those areas will say a lot about whose strength we are relying on, on God's or our own. For the church to persevere in the midst of suffering, she needs to rely on the grace of God. Secondly, for God's people to persevere, we need to pass on what we've learned. Look with me at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, we've seen already in this letter that, that Timothy was facing opposition from both outside and inside the church. From outside the church, there was growing pressure from the Roman state, which meant that persecution was a very real prospect for anyone who called themselves a follower of Jesus. Uh, we only need to look at Paul's situation as he, as he wrote this letter to get a sense of how hard things were for those who chose the path of faithfulness. And linked to that pressure from outside the church came a pressure from within. A pressure to adjust, to amend the message so that it wouldn't be quite so objectionable to the wider culture. If the church would just adopt a more culturally appropriate message, then they wouldn't have to worry so much about the pressure from the state. And there were those in the church who had begun teaching that more culturally acceptable message. The gospel message was under threat from all angles. Timothy was in, a, in an incredibly isolated position. And so as well as having to trust in God's strength to endure that opposition, Timothy had the responsibility of ensuring that the gospel message was guarded. And the way to guard the gospel... It wasn't to, to hide it away and, and keep it in a holy huddle. No, it was to teach it and to equip others to do the same. Paul urges Timothy to pass on what Paul had already passed on to him. Timothy was to take what he had heard from Paul and he was to entrust it to others who would faithfully teach that message to the next generation, who would then in turn teach it to the generation after that, and so on. It's a process that's sometimes known as discipling. Now, elsewhere in his letters, Paul teaches on male-female relationships and how they play out in the church in terms of uh, the, the male role of teaching elder in the gathered assembly. But here in verse 2, the Greek word translated men is one that doesn't indicate gender and is more accurately translated people. So at this point, Paul is talking more generally about Timothy's responsibility to identify people in the church who have the ability 
to teach others well, and who have the courage to remain faithful to the gospel message. And both are essential, ability and faithfulness. Being able, but not having courage to be faithful means that you won't stand up to error and opposition when it presents itself. And being faithful, but not able, means that you won't recognize error when it comes along. And that call to Timothy to teach and train, to disciple others, it's the same call to God's people today. If we're going to be faithful in the face of error, if we're going to persevere, then we need to be able to recognize error when we see it and have the courage to stand. That's why it's so important that we have people who are equipped and trained to teach well. Whether that's ministers or community group leaders or uh, youth and Sunday club leaders or, or someone meeting one-to-one -one with another uh, Christian to, to study the Bible together. We need to recognize the importance of passing on what we've been taught. I wonder what your spiritual diet looks like. Where are you getting your feeding from? There are so many podcasts and, and blogs out there now. You can listen to any preacher you like or, or, or teacher online. There's no shortage of places to look for input. But what does a healthy diet look like? How do you discern truth from error? How can you tell what's helpful from what's unhelpful? Well, I'd suggest that it begins by engaging in your local church, learning and growing together with the people that God has placed you with. We do that as we gather here where you have the opportunity to seek clarification, to ask questions, to air objections and work through stuff with the guy you're listening to pretty much every week. Or as you gather in community groups to discuss things further. But there's also the opportunity to arrange, to, to get together with someone to, to read the Bible one-to-one. -one. Uh, if you're an older Christian in the faith, are you conscious of your opportunity to pass on what you've learned to a younger Christian? Simply just getting together with someone and reading the Bible together is a great way to start with that. And if you're a younger Christian or, or someone who's maybe not a Christian is just checking out the Christian faith and you would like to do something like that, well then come and speak to me afterwards. We'd be glad to set something like that up for you. It's as we pass on the gospel that the church is able to persevere in the face of opposition. And that's what Paul calls Timothy to do before turning to his final aspect of Christian perseverance in this passage. So to persevere in the midst of suffering. Timothy and we need to rely on God's strength. We need to pass the message on. And finally, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. If you look with me at verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So Paul gives these three illustrations, and they all have something in common. Suffering before glory. 
The soldier on the front line had to engage in battle. They couldn't desert the front line to go and trim their roses or, or go walking in the hills. They had to sacrifice comfort and pleasure. They had to endure hardship. But they did it knowing that faithful service would lead to a commendation from their commanding officer. It's the same with the athlete. Anyone who wants to compete at the elite level, they have to make all manner of sacrifices with their time and their diet. They have to endure all sorts of strain as they develop their mind and their body in order to compete. They can't cut corners. They can't break the rules for an easier life. But they commit themselves to that life of sacrifice because their eyes or on the crown that awaits the victor. It's that prize that makes all the suffering worth it. And the farmer has to be out slogging away in all weathers to produce a harvest of crops. If they're lazy, or they only head out when the sun is shining to tend the soil, well, then they'll have no harvest to speak of. What keeps them going amidst all the months of toil is the promise of a future reward. And the point Paul is making in all these illustrations is that that's exactly what the Christian life is like. We persevere in the midst of present suffering knowing that there is a future glory. Like a soldier, we don't back down. We don't abandon our post for the fleeting comforts of a life away from the battle. We don't go the way of Phygelus and Hermogenes, turning away from Paul and the gospel for temporary approval. No, we persevere knowing that the one who enlisted us, Jesus Christ, will one day say, well done, as he welcomes us into eternity. Like an athlete, we don't try and cut corners or cheat. We don't share a watered-down message of the gospel. No, we remain faithful even when that's unpopular, knowing that there is a glorious crown awaiting in heaven. And like a farmer, we persevere in all seasons, even when it seems like all our hard work isn't producing many results. But we do it confident that in the grand scheme of God's sovereign purposes, our faithful service will lead to an eternal harvest. And as we persevere like the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, we follow the pattern of our Savior, who, Hebrews 12, verse 2, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Lord Jesus persevered. He endured the suffering and the shame of the cross so that we might know what it is to persevere empowered by his grace. He persevered so that we might be able to persevere as we hand on the life-giving message of the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior to the next generation. He persevered so that we might persevere with our eyes on the eternal glory that belongs to anyone who trusts in the one who endured the shame of the cross and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God in glory. 
So persevere. Keep going. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep resting in the grace that God has given us in Jesus Christ as we point the people of Leith to the one who persevered through suffering. The one who makes ultimate sense of the motto of our community. The one who offers eternal glory to anyone who trusts in him. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you that we do not live the Christian life in our own strength. That the suffering that we endure is not meant to be done out of our own resources, but is done in the grace that you've given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that because he persevered, because he was willing to go to his death on a cross, and because he rose to life again, we can know what it is to persevere in the light of his grace. So we pray, Lord God, that we would rest in him today, that we would trust in him today, that you would strengthen and refresh us by your Spirit, and that we would take seriously the task that you've given us to pass on the gospel message to the next generation, that they might know where life and hope is to be found. And we pray for our community, a community that holds this word, persevere. We pray, Lord God, that we would be able to show them the one who persevered so that they might know life. And Lord, as we come to this table today to take bread and wine, we pray that you would remind us again of the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.